Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Stacey. And this is the Body Smart Podcast. And today we are talking about the 10 cheat codes to lose weight and keep it off. Which is the key because losing weight is one thing, but actually staying there is the like difficult challenge so many of our clients have faced before, right? And I'm yet to meet a person that's like, yeah, I just want to lose 20 pounds and gain it all back. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to lose weight or fat and then gain it back. So, you know, it's, and I think it, it is really just looking at like, that is actually the, the more challenging part. Most of, if not all the women I've spoken with have not, um, have always been able to lose weight or have been successful in losing weight in the past. The, where they've struggled is to lose weight and successfully keep it off. So it's part of the journey. They can understand the strategy, calorie deficit, you know, eat fewer calories than you burn or use methods or strategies to lose the weight. But ultimately, is that strategy setting them up for long-term success and long-term success is the rest of your life. Yeah, and I think actually that's something that really undermines your belief in yourself because you keep telling yourself, oh, I'm rubbish at losing weight. Actually, you're probably quite good at losing weight. Yeah. It's the other bit. Yeah, the difficulty is is being able to lose weight and consistently keep it off for the rest of your life. That's the challenge and that's where getting habits in place, getting systems in place and developing skills so it becomes easy is what makes it easy to stay healthy for the rest of your life. Hence today's episode. Hence today's episode. Because we have got, well, obviously there are loads of things that we work on with our clients and loads of habits that we promote and loads of like lifestyle changes. Um, but actually we just wanted to condense it down to like the 10 biggest rocks that if you are trying to lose weight and keep it off and make this like a last time ever attempt, like going to do this properly, you probably should do these 10 things. Yeah. So let's get stuck in. Let's get stuck in. Okay, the first one is understanding energy balance and that energy balance is the key principle to any diet that you've done in the past. Yeah. So energy balance is your calories in, which is all anything that you basically consume that's got calories in. And then your calories out is your metabolism uh, or your TDE, which stands for your total daily energy expenditure. Um, and this is made up from your uh, basal metabolic rate, which is basically how many calories you burn at rest. How many calories that burns is going to come down to your weight um, and muscle mass. So typically taller people are going to be heavier. So that can play a, a reason into having a quote unquote faster metabolism because you're taller, you're heavier, you need more calories, you need more energy. Um, and then muscle requires more energy than fat. So fat's roughly uh, one to two calories per pound. Muscle's about five to seven calories per pound. So if you've got, and people go, well, if you just lose 10 pounds of fat and gain 10 pounds of muscle, you'll burn loads more calories. It's you do, yes, but it's not like you, people used to say, oh, if you gain a pound of muscle, you need 50 more calories per pound. And like, could you imagine that? Like an extra 10 pounds of muscle, you need 500 calories more per day. That'd be <laughs> quite a win, wouldn't it? It would, but then you'd be like, how are those bodybuilders doing it? You know what I mean? Like, we should be like funneling food. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just all muscle. Um, so you've got your basal metabolic rate. That's the first part of your metabolism. And that's, there's not too much control there. You can either lose weight, gain weight, lose muscle, gain muscle. But um, needs a bigger changes it's not like an instant thing you can do overnight yeah it takes it takes time then the other three parts of your metabolism which you have more control over um or your non-exercise activity so how many calories you burn off fidgeting moving walking uh, your steps basically the thermic effect of food um how many calories you spend on digestion and other bodily functions if you eat a um less processed diet and eat more lean meats and more protein you'll typically burn more calories just off the foods you eat and then you have your exercise uh, activity thermogenesis which is how many calories you burn over the course of a week from exercise so a lot of people are like oh i burnt 500 calories in a session but it's like yeah you do 
three sessions a week, so 1,500 calories over the week, divide that by seven. It's not that much per day uh, in comparison to maybe like your steps or other parts of your metabolism. So that's, that's a, I hope that was a, an easy layman's terms to understand that your calories in, everything that you eat or drink or anything with calories in, your calories out is made up into those four components. And usually when people go on a weight loss journey, they are generally tackling the energy in through diet yeah. and the energy out, maybe through doing like more exercise than normal. Something that a lot of our clients come to us with is like, oh, I've just been doing loads of cardio because actually when you go on the machines in the gym and you do it for an hour, they tell you, oh, you've burned 600 calories. Yeah. And that feels like really exciting. And, you know, I'm making a big dent in that energy balance. Mm -hmm. um, but we're going to talk about exercise side more later on yeah. to focus on the energy in the diet side. What we wanted to really break down and cut the BS with today, it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's keto, fasting, Weight Watchers, they are all just reducing the energy in. Yeah, so in order to lose weight, you have to consume fewer calories a day than you burn. So that's a calorie deficit or an energy deficit. And a lot of people are just like, oh, I've just got to eat less and move more. And like that is the underlining principle, but it's, it's not great uh, advice. A lot of these other strategies that you've just mentioned uh, or any diet you've tried in the past is a diet strategy that's trying to get you to, to adhere to the principle which is to consume fewer calories a day than your body burns. And there's ways that can, there's ways to do that that are easier and harder depending on your physiology, psychology, your starting points. Um, and it's, it's, it's very advantageous to start picking strategies that make it easier for you to lose weight than harder, which makes sense. And that's why there's so many options out there, right? Because everybody's different. Everybody's lifestyle is different. Some people swear by fasting, you know, that feels easy to them. Other people, that would be me, yeah. cannot not eat for more than like three hours or I'll be nasty to everybody around me. Um, but the underlying principle is the calories in, calories out. And I know there is certain elements out there in the weight loss fitness online community that will say, oh yeah, but calories aren't an exact science. So it's BS. So that's why you need to use this metabolic adaptation yeah, diet or blah, blah, blah. There's, there's lots of things that get thrown here. So people go, oh, well, I am in a calorie deficit and I'm not losing weight. It's my hormones. And it's like, so maybe you're having some hormonal issues, but if you're not losing weight, that's your body's way of actually telling you that you're not in a calorie or an energy deficit. And if that wasn't the case, you know, people wouldn't die from starvation. Anorexia wouldn't become a problem. You know what I mean? Like these are very real problems that happen when people consume fewer calories than they burn. Your body will keep eating itself that's what's happening it's using stored energy it's using muscle to the point where if it goes on for so long you you die like that is what a calorie deficit is so if you're not losing weight it means you're consuming the same amount of calories a day that your body's burning and that's just like instead of if you just look at it objectively in in that sense of like okay so this is just a problem to solve it's often and I'd, i never i'm never trying to like step on anyone's toes to offend them it's not it's your hormones may be affecting your behavior that's causing you to move less or eat more but the principle is still the same when it comes to, you know, the second law of thermodynamics, which is basically, you know, calories in versus calories out or energy in versus energy out. So it's just not trying to get too too stuck on that. Are the certain things that make it harder for people, like polycystic ovaries, uh, people who've got thyroid issues? There's lots of different things that can affect people, but it doesn't change the principle of losing weight. And that's the key thing. They might need a larger deficit on paper than the next person. But the principle is still that there needs to be a deficit there to yeah. see weight loss, fat loss. Um, and that is where, you know, the importance does come into monitoring the ins and the outs so that you can say, oh, well, this deficit is working for me or isn't working for me and be able to 
tweak those variables because if there was anything else in science, you would monitor the variables and know what you can control yeah. and then feel in control. Um, and so that's where, again, we maybe come under a bit of fire or not us, but like generally people who promote this approach that, oh, you become obsessive with calories and tracking yeah. everything. Um, but it's more about feeling like you know what the variables are and knowing how to tweak them. Yeah, we look at track and food as an education piece and an education tool to teach you about what's... Because if you if you don't know what, how many calories are in a salmon and avocado bagel, you're just like, oh, that's healthy food. I mean, you're like, yeah, it's also got 780 calories in and your like allowance for a deficit might be 1370 because you're five foot one and 135 pounds. You know what I mean? So it's just like, there's the certain parts of that you go, oh, that's actually a lot. Like that's actually quite dense food. I can enjoy some of that, but I maybe need to manage my portions. So again, you get to look at it objectively and be like, I'm going to track food to use it as an education tool and, a, and to develop a skill around nutrition and portion control to go through a season of losing weight and then to be able to be more mindful and sustain the, the weight that I've lost. Yeah, definitely. And it means that you can understand your choices. So rather than any of these other diets out there where you are taught some point system or like there's a list of foods that you can eat and a list of foods that you can't eat, you actually get to just objectively view every food and yeah. make a choice. Yeah, which is, and that, that's where, you know, the meal, the meal plan seems really appealing to people. It's just like, do this, see success. Or just like, <clears throat> don't eat carbs anymore. So you go to the supermarket and it's like, okay, well, I just don't buy any from, with carbs and I only buy protein and fats. And it's like, okay, so like so much of the supermarket is like off limits now. Um, and then typically when people then don't stick to that meal plan, don't stick to a no carb approach, they have no idea how to factor those foods or normal foods back into their diet. And then the weight quickly comes back on. They then believe it's the carbs that are the problem. And it's not, it's, it's the education piece around how can we be more mindful to enjoy a diet that we want while seeing the success that we want. Yeah. Amazing. So that was a very whistle-stop tour <laughs> <laughs> of the principle behind yeah. all the diets. So that's like the science behind it and the principle. But something that I know a lot of people listening will not find the struggle is the science of it. They get it. It's actually the implementation. Yeah. It's the motivation. Mm -hmm. And one of your favorite sayings is, it's not about motivation. Don't rely on motivation. So yeah. what is it? When it comes to seeing successful weight yeah. loss. Yeah, it's... You know, motivation's fleeting. Uh, it, it comes and goes. It's it's not a reliable source for something that we need to continually do. So most people aren't motivated to go to work every day. Most people aren't motivated to do a lot. You know, look after the kids every day. You know, you still just do these things. Um, and it's like, well, why do you show up for your job? Why is that non-negotiable? It's like, well, because if I don't go to my job, I won't have money. If I don't have money, I can't pay my bills. If I can't pay my bills, that's going to affect you know various other areas of your life. So even if you've not gone down that rabbit hole of like why you actually show up for work there's a reason behind that there's a why behind you show up because of what that gives you and it's almost having that same understanding of like right well why do i need to show up for my health and fitness like why is that important to me okay well i'm feeling stressed i'm feeling anxious my health markers aren't in a great place i want to live my best life i want to have energy for my kids so there's a lot of reasons why you could you could go hey i need to take action and it's like okay so i've got a long list of reasons of why so now i can say like well I'm not motivated to go to work every day. I still do it because there's a lot of reasons why. I'm not motivated to exercise or live a healthier lifestyle, but like I'm still going to do it because the why is very important to me. Um, and I think getting clear on that then allows you to start looking at like, okay, so that's maybe helping me just take action when I don't want, want to. I don't feel like it. I'm not motivated to. But now how can I start to make it easier? So this is where you want to start putting systems in place. 
um, and create habits that can make it easier to stay on top of things. So, um, Sai, you might be able to pick this up. Have you got the, the habit loop? We can maybe even show the image. Have you heard this before, Stace? Yes. You, def just, you definitely have. Just you, trying to remember. remember off the top it's, of your head. it's like cue trigger reward, I think. Yeah, it's, I think it's, I mean, we'll get into it, but like, you know, a, a simple concept could be, let's say you're going to go to the gym. Well, if the gym is on the way to work and on the way back from work, you're going to be much more likely to just stop off at the gym because it's not an inconvenience. You've reduced the amount of friction. But if the gym is, you've got to go home from work and then 20 minutes you have a way to get to the gym, but there's a lot more friction. So it's about setting yourself up for success. Yeah, so it's cue, routine, reward. So the cue would be leaving work. The routine would be, I just leave work and I drive straight to the gym. I don't even have to think about it. My brain autopilot drives me to the gym. And the reward would be the endorphins maybe from your workout in that example. But if what you're saying, your routine at the moment is you drive straight home 20 minutes in the opposite direction is not going to make sense. Yeah. So it, it, it's just about doing as, as many things as possible. So almost like your default is to live the way that you want to live. Um, and that's very much, I would say, how my house and life is set up. Like if I'm exercising in the morning, which I am most, most days, I always like before I go to bed, I lay, lay my gym kit out. So when I get up, there's not even, I'm like in the cold shower, I know, weird, uh, straight away within like a couple of minutes, brush my teeth, put my gym clothes on and I'm already like downstairs exercising while I'm going to the gym. So like that's my, it's just become second nature for me to do that now. But like in the beginning, if you do lots of those things in the uh, prior, you, you start to set yourself up for success and create routines that allow it to become easy. Like I get up some days, I'm like, I'm knackered, body aches, tired, like just like, like I'm sat on the toilet, having a sit down week as I'm told. TMI. Well, anyway, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm not having a, I'm just a number, I sit down, I'm a sit down wee type of guy, you know what I mean? I'm tall and it's, I'm tired. <laughs> and I've literally got like my hand on my head like that and I'm knackered. And the last thing that I, I want to do is go and do a workout now or climb in a cold shower, but it's just become so habitual for me now that it's like, it's almost harder not to, you know what I mean? And I also wouldn't feel proud of myself if I wouldn't just climb back into bed. There's a balance, obviously, at times. But that, that's something really important that you touched on there. You said it's habitual. It's like it's easier to do it than not do it. That is genuinely what happens with routines yeah. and habits, that your brain, it loves to save energy and it loves to be efficient. So if there's something you do the exact same every single day, eventually your brain's like, right, we don't have to waste any like RAM effectively on that. We'll just do that. We don't have to think about it, make decisions, whatever. We just do that. And so if you create habits and routines that are aligned with what you want to achieve, it actually becomes easier than you could ever believe. It, yeah, it, it does. And it, you'll be living a certain way now and you'll have certain habits now. It's just often a lot of them maybe aren't serving parts of your health and wellness. And it feels like there's a huge gap between where you are and where you want to be. But it, this is the whole idea of why we just say to our clients, we're getting 1% better every day because it's making those small incremental changes like every single day over a couple of weeks, couple of months, couple of years, you're a completely different person. And it's just, again, being intentional, focusing on like what it is that you want to achieve, setting your environment up for success and developing some of these habits. And it, it, I think that's where a lot of people think, oh my God, it feels so hard to exercise and do all these things, but it, it, it doesn't. Like it's, it'd be harder for me to live a different way right now because the way I live makes me feel good have energy you know all the different things that kind of come with this and i feel like it in abundance with food choices and everything else i don't feel restricted by by no means yeah and making that journey is difficult for sure but like you said you have got habits already that exist so 
that's reassuring. You know you can recreate new habits. Like when you move house, when you start a new job, you do create new habits. If you reflect yeah. back, there are things that you do now that you didn't do five years ago. So you have got the capacity. Um, and I think that's the implementation of when people say motivation isn't the answer, I, I can imagine I was definitely like this. Well, what is the answer then? Yeah. Like, it just feels like there should be some other magical concept. There isn't. It's just literally doing the work. Yeah. And it is work. It is. But then the payoff comes at the end. Um, and I think... I think it even comes in the beginning. It comes in the beginning, middle and end. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, when you first start, yeah, it's a bit difficult, but you do feel better for doing it. True. Um, and you yeah. feel accomplished when you set out to do something and you do it. You do. And that's a huge part of keeping your promises to yourself. And then also like a part of this as well. Yes, habits. And I think habits are just like not sexy. We've talk, talked about this before. Like, oh yeah, let's get a new habit of doing this. But it's also developing skills as well. So if you know nothing about nutrition, you start tracking your food or you start doing something else, like that is a skill that over time you will learn and then it just becomes easier. And the best way to think about this is you've probably done multiple jobs in your life and when you first started them, really, really difficult. And now you can do parts them like the back of your hand. You don't even blink. And this, you can get to that same level of ease and comfort with your nutrition, with exercising professionally, um, with making quick meals. There's lots of things that you can do that once you develop the skills, it becomes a lot easier to stay on top of things. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just wanted to share, I was actually a motivation type person. I definitely relied on motivation yeah. very, very much. Um, and even honestly, until only a couple of years ago, because okay. I have the flexibility in my life and I do feel more motivated maybe than others because I understand like I feel better when I do this. So I do have mm -hmm. that more like instant gratification of like being motivated to exercise. But I'm genuinely more consistent now I have a child and I can't rely on motivation anymore. Okay. Because I'm too tired half the time. Yeah. I can't just be like, oh, it's three o'clock in the afternoon. Maybe I'll do a workout now. Got to get his tea ready or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I have to do it on the days and the times that I have got childcare and it is planned to be done. Yeah. And if I don't do it, like that's my last chance for two more days. Mm -hmm. So this is actually, in a way, I used to think, oh, I've got a really nice balance. This has actually been way more effective and actually taken so much less energy and mental effort. Because it's, it's, it's there, it's any calendar, you know yeah. what's happening and like, you know, you probably something very extreme would have to happen for you to cancel that. Yeah, I genuinely get annoyed if something yeah. comes up, which means I miss like, say my Thursday workout. I'm like, what? <laughs> that is my only chance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I am definitely a more recent convert to this because I had the flexibility and a bit more motivation, maybe more than other people. But I can speak from experience, life is easier when I don't choose motivation over routine. Got ya. Yeah. You, <laughs> we used to go back and forth on this. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it isn't that yeah. I necessarily um, don't believe in like you can just do what feels good because I will still choose yeah, to do what feels I, of good. Course. But like I'm definitely going to show up on that day at that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's just the idea of, again, that's another system. So for me, I have my workouts booked in every single week. I know what days I'm working out. I know what I'm working out. Yeah, and that's, that's in my calendar. And I work out in the morning because, again, a huge part of like what you just said, like I know once my day starts, I'm firefighting, I've got this, I've got that. So there's so many other things that could pop up that are out of my control that then might take me away. And I have to, in that moment, we'd have to make a choice, right? Am I going to work out now? Am I going to focus on this problem still? And often the problem kind of takes um, priority. So getting a workout done in the morning, it's like, oh, there are no problems. Like I haven't started my day yet. I'm just getting yet. that done first. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yet. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Okay, so motivation 
is not something to be relied upon and we need to be more rigid with routines and like just following through on what we say we're going to do. Yeah. So the other thing that ties into that is like cutting the BS with yourself like I had to mm-hmm. with that motivation and the tracking side of things. Again, is something that I in the past yeah. did not <clears throat> do fully back in the day. I was definitely guilty of being either like halfway through the day at breakfast, smashed it, hit my protein goal, hit my mm-hmm. calories, lunch, yep, nailed it. Oh, had some chocolate in the afternoon. Uh, should I put that in or I'll kind of mess up my numbers? I won't put it in. <laughs> I just look nice if I don't put it in. Or I'll just choose something that like roughly kind of fits in the calories I had left so that it looks nice and I don't like get yeah. those red numbers at the end of the day. Definitely did that. Also, just stopped tracking that day because I didn't want it to just be a bad day. Mm-hmm. So just... Don't track anything else yeah. today. We'll start again tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and I know I'm not alone on this, especially if you're a bit of a perfectionist. Like you want to do a good job. And when you don't, you don't want to see the evidence mm. that you didn't do a good job. Yeah. So one of the key skills, life hacks, whatever you want to call it, to actually succeed is you have to cut the BS with yourself on your tracking. Sorry to interrupt. If you are enjoying this podcast, we would ask you to go and hit the subscribe or the follow button as we are on a mission to grow this podcast to be as big as it can be and get some amazing guests on here to give you guys even more value. You do. You have to cut the BS with yourself on on lots of things and and track on food is one of them. I mean, track on food isn't for everyone, but it's a very easy data-driven way to see success in the, the fastest time possible because what gets measured gets managed. And if you're not seeing results, it's very easy to just take a closer look at your nutrition and make sure that happens. However, it's very hard to take a closer look at your nutrition if you're not tracking everything that you think or you should be because you're you know, trying to make numbers align or be a perfectionist. Yeah, and it also um, means you don't capture those opportunities to recognize where things might not be serving you. Mm-hmm. So if you always miss off the afternoon chocolate bar yeah. and you're not going anywhere with your progress, you're not going to be able to look back through and be like, oh, hey, every day I eat 300 calories in the middle of the afternoon. If I just change that one habit, maybe it will be easier. Yeah. So it does give you keys to change and see success if you are fully accurate with your tracking. It does. I, I, and so many people have a negative association with tracking food and, oh, it can cause disordered eating and it you know, can cause eating disorders. It's just a tool. It's an education tool that's trying to help you achieve an outcome, which is to lose weight and and also train you as a skill to become more educated around portion control and food as a whole. That yes, not only is it going to help you see the success you want with weight loss, but teach you some valuable lessons and skills so you can maintain the weight that you've, you've lost. So yeah, you know, being honest with yourself and tracking your food and cutting the BS with yourself there. Um, yeah, you're going to have to see some of those numbers read and that's going to force you hopefully to start asking if you don't want that to keep happening, which is the goal is like, hey, what do I need? What patterns of behavior do I need to change to avoid this? Yeah. And one of the other things that I think is a skill you gain from tracking properly is planning. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you wing it, it doesn't usually end up well. It doesn't. I mean, I, I, anytime I wing tracking food, it's it's exhausting as well. It's just so many decisions to make in a day. That oh, just... so much mental maths. Yeah, <laughs> no time for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so when we speak to clients about this, it's often about like using your tracking app. We use my fitness pal as a planning tool, not a tracking tool. So we call yeah. it tracking, which maybe we need to change that. It's a planning tool. It's yeah. a planning tool. Yeah. Um, and so the other thing with that is it starts to make it more of a proactive 
mm. habit that you have rather than tracking, which again, if you're a bit of a perfectionist like me and you go wrong in inverted commas, if you're tracking your mistakes, like why would you want to do that? That's yeah. horrible. Yeah. If you're planning for success and you make a great plan and you deviate slightly, that again feels different to not tracking anything until you have to track your, your mistake. Yeah. And, I, and I've, when I used to track food all the time, the amount of times where I do that and I get to the end of the day, I'm like, oh, I can eat two chicken breasts and a little bit of mayonnaise. Oh, I know. It's miserable. <laughs> because you're just like, oh, I've, like, I've got 80 grams of protein left and there's, I've got no fats or carbs. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, that's not an enjoyable meal that anyone wants to have, is it? Um, which which I, is then why you go, oh, well, maybe I'll just actually have whatever I was going to have anyway and I'll start again tomorrow. Yeah. Which again, yeah. So just really seeing it as a planning tool. Um, and an education piece and a season, just like the way you would go and learn a new skill in college or university, and you might spend a semester or a quarter or whatever you want to call it in learning a new skill, just see it as that. Like, hey, I'm going to really dial down, look at my tracking, look at my planning and develop some skills and education around food. And that's going to make me feel better, look better, more energy, better gut health, lose weight. Um, I'm like, there's a lot of benefits to that. And that's a really, you think about like the positive associations there that you're having around that versus like, well, I've got to track food and that's really boring and I hate it and it's going to give me a disordered eating pattern. It's just like, mm, you know, yes, some of those things, you know, can be true, but it's not for everyone. Yeah. And the other thing is the awareness it gives you. And we always bang on about awareness on this podcast. And it does just give you that overall awareness of the patterns in your day, Something that we talk about with clients a lot is the bites, licks, and tastes, mm -hmm. which don't often get tracked. Do you want to explain what that is? So it's just like the bite, bites, licks, and tastes that you can take uh, that you can have in a day. So a bite could just be like a bite out of anything. You know, someone might have brought birthday cake into the office, and you have, oh, I'll just have a little slice, or I'll just have a bite of that, or you know, um, it could be just like little chocolates or biscuits that are left around. These can just be like little bites that can um, can happen. Uh, tastes could be, you know kids food to an extent um yeah like I, if my son's having fish fingers for dinner i might just have a little bit of when he's left yeah yeah or you might even just like test it's the right temperature and it's not too hot oh yeah yeah, yeah. see <laughs> you see you forget about those ones yeah um and then the last one was is licks i can't even remember where this happens <laughs> <laughs> ice cream ice cream yeah a lick or two of, an ice, of someone else's ice cream maybe it's a bit weird but <clears throat> definitely if you've got kids and it's just like that type of stuff can add up fast, like really, really fast. Yeah. And if you are tracking your food, we're not necessarily saying you have to track every bite, lick and taste. Because I mean, yeah. the practicalities of that, you're just not going to. But if you are planning and tracking your food, you start to then be aware of like, oh, no, I'm not going to have that lick or bite or taste because I'm not going to easily be able to track it. And then you just generally start to rein things in a bit. Yeah. And people do, especially on this one, this is where anytime I've spoke about this on social media, you get hammered. Like that's got eating disorder written all over it, disordered eating. But it's like, you would be shocked at how many people are getting four, five, six, seven hundred extra calories a day from this. And then you could be the same type of person that goes, I'm not losing weight because of my metabolism. I'm not losing weight because of my hormones. And actually you're, might be having four to 700 calories a day more in stuff that you're completely unaware of. Um, I've had it several times, more than that. I've had it with so many clients to the point where they're like, I'm tracking absolutely everything. And then we do a full photo diary of everything. That's like, they've forgot about this or there's oil in that, or there's, they've been having this or, or I didn't think that coffee had calories in it. And it's like, yeah. And then straight away you're like, okay, we just 
that's it. It's like the investigating of problem solving. And when you remove a couple of these things or raise the awareness, and then all of a sudden, weight just starts dropping off pound a week, pound a week, pound a week. Yeah, the food diary is a really great one in terms of like a visual food diary. And the other one that I swear by with clients is I've got a little saying. It's called in your phone before it goes in your mouth. Because <laughs> if you get in the habit of that, it gives you, A, it gives you like, you know, everything's gone in your tracking, but B, it gives you a bit of thinking time and space or awareness when you put that into my fitness pal. Or do I actually want the whole thing? I've just realized that that's 600 calories. Maybe I'll just have half. Yeah. I'm not even that hungry. And it gives you that time and knowledge to make a more informed choice as well, rather mm. than, like I said, going in after the event, realizing it was 600 calories and being really annoyed with yourself. You're a bit more in control of the situation. Yeah. And I think often you find, like I used to just go to pick up a sandwich from somewhere and I'd look at all the, you know, when I first started becoming aware of calories and macros and I'd start reading the back of the packets and everything. And I did not at the time, I didn't realize that was just teaching me so much about food in general. But I would be like, oh, I could have picked that sandwich or that sandwich. And that one's got like 25 grams less fat in it. And it tastes the same. Like, there's no difference in pleasure or taste or satiety or fullness for me. But I'm like, that's got you know, nearly 200 fewer calories in it and taste that just as good. I'm like, that one, you know what I mean? And uh, especially if you were trying to lose weight, you know, just having that awareness and being able to make some choices. And sometimes I think people think, oh, I'm dieting, I'm losing weight, I've got to eat less. Sometimes you can just make better, more informed choices. And actually we have loads of clients who say, I feel like I'm eating more and I, feel, I don't feel full and I'm losing weight. And it, it's almost like a, a bit of a paradox of like, how is this happening? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it yeah. is one of those things you see sometimes on social media, isn't it? Like I'm eating more than I ever have and I'm losing weight. Yeah. And honestly, when you start to make smart choices, that is often the case. Yeah. And this is coming back to the first point of energy balance. People will go, oh no, you need to eat more to lose weight. And it's like, well, hold on a second. That depends what we're talking about here. You have to eat fewer calories, but you can still actually make smarter choices and possibly eat more food. So you might feel like you're eating more than you ever have, but you're losing weight. And it's like, yeah, that's like a really great winning formula because you feel satiated. You feel like you're in more of an abundance of food. You feel good and you're losing weight because you're eating fewer calories. So that, you know, there's a, that's a, a balance to keep in mind. And that ties in nicely to one of our other next top 10 tips which is eat 30 to 50 grams of protein with each meal yes which i think a lot of people like how much <laughs> it, i mean it does sound a lot as it well does. doesn't it yeah but um i have got a little list here of easy options um because people do often ask us like how am i supposed to do that so one chicken breast easily mm -hmm. would get you into that a three egg omelet with some cheese on toast okay yeah cheese on toast yeah like cheese in the omelet cheese in the omelet yeah yeah well, I mean, you could just have the cheese separate if you wanted to. Yeah, why not? Um, but obviously some people don't eat meat. And yeah. that is a question that we get asked a lot. So, you know, eggs, dairy, Greek yogurt, um, 250 grams of 0% Greek yogurt gets you up there. Um, a four ounce steak. Yeah. So these are not like crazy bodybuilder meals that you need no. to hit that 30 to 50 grams of protein. And the other thing as well is to think about every meal through the day. Because if you leave this all till dinner then it is going to be like, oh my God, all I'm doing is eating meat and I'm sick of it. Yeah, uh, and I've done that before. It's not fun. Yeah. Which is why I wanted to include those um, options of like the omelette and the Greek yogurt. And, you know, it can be something that fits into any meal of the day when you make it a conscious choice. So when you're planning your meals, I always recommend to plan your protein option first and then everything else around it. Yeah. So when you're planning your lunch, rather than going, oh, I'm going to have a salad today or I'm going to have a sandwich today, 
think, right, I'm going to have chicken today. How am I going to have my chicken? I'm going to have it in a wrap or I'm going to, you know, yeah. And that means you bring protein to the forefront of your decision making. Yeah. And like getting enough protein in your diet, the reason it's, is, can be so important is it's really satiating. So it's going to keep you fuller for longer. It has a high thermic value. So you're going to burn more calories just by having a higher protein diet. So it's really burning more calories of eating more protein. Um, and it's going to aid massively in, you know, muscle recovery. So that's going to play a huge part if you're doing any sort of resistant training or, or wanting to build muscle. Yeah, and just to bring it back to that thermic effect of food, it is huge. So you um, briefly explained how that plays into your metabolism at the beginning of the episode. But if we think about how much energy you actually burn when you eat protein. It's about 20 to 30%. Yeah, I was just checking. It is literally 30% of the calories that you eat in protein, you burn breaking that protein down. Yeah, so and and again, it depends on what sort of sources and stuff. But yeah, you're looking at 20 to 30%. So, you know, you eat a couple of hundred calories in protein, you know, you're burning a lot of that on the thermic effect of food. So this is, this comes into the part where people are like, all calories aren't created equal. And it's like, no, they, they are like a calorie is a, a unit of heat uh, energy. Uh, saying a calorie isn't a calorie isn't say, saying like a mile isn't a mile. Uh, what you could look at with a mile, you could be like, hey, I'm going to run a mile, but I can run a mile on different terrain. I can run a mile up and down hills. I can run a mile on an incline. So there's all different ways you can run a mile, but a mile is still a mile in distance. And it's the same for calories. A calorie is still a unit of heat energy. How that calorie is used inside the body can be very different. And that's when it comes down to things like the thermic effect of food uh, or fiber or other foods like that. So yes, having a higher protein diet literally speeds up your metabolism, keeps you fuller for longer, helps you build and retain muscle. It's like, it's it's a very, very important macronutrient. Yeah, and what is your advice on supplements? Because I know that is something that a lot of women feel a bit like, oh, I don't want to become a bro and like start <laughs> taking protein shakes after every yeah. workout. I, it, there are a very easy, convenient way of getting more protein into your diet, especially if you're struggling in the beginning. You know, you can have a one scoop of protein with 30, 30 grams in uh, and you can mix it up with like 150, 200 mils of water, which is, is nothing, it's two swigs, you know, three swigs. That's how I kind of look at it sometimes. It's not, it's a very easy way of getting more protein into your diet. Um, and again, can be really satiating. There's a there's a couple of studies that have shown that people who've had like 20 gram service, 20 gram protein shake before they've gone for like a buffet, on average eat like 47% less yeah. know, calories and stuff so there are you know it, it is and that actually counts even for up to four hours afterwards so if you wow. have a protein shake yeah. for breakfast you will eat less for your lunch not yeah. necessarily protein shake a protein-based breakfast yeah yeah so it does it, it makes it it makes a big difference but no protein uh, shakes um if you're a vegan or vegetarian i think you can really struggle to get enough protein into your diet so you know utilizing something um like a protein shake can can make a massive difference i know um we had a client uh, called sarah who was a, a vegan and she literally was not getting nowhere near enough protein in the diet and uh, had brittle nails, thin hair, and just of literally getting a protein. I think it was like just over 100 grams a day. And she did use supplements to get it there. Like her hair went thick again, her nails went thick. Um, so it, it made a significant difference to that and her energy levels and satiation. Uh, but that's because she was getting so little on the diet that she's on. So protein shakes, I'm, I'm all for them. It, it is more of a processed food. I would always opt if you could get it from food, go for it. But um, it, they are there as a as a. I don't really see protein shakes as supplements. I just see it as condensed food. Yeah, it is a, a another option if you were going to have a processed food in your diet to yeah. help you reach your goals. Um, the other thing with it is sometimes in certain situations in life, 
they are going to be the better choice. Mm -hmm. So if, for example, you are always on the go in the mornings and like breakfast at home, you're not going to stand there and cook an omelette. Yeah, I've got time for that. Mm -hmm. So you always just grab a pastry and a latte on the way to work. In that situation, having a shake and a banana, for example, would be a huge step up in terms of nutritional value and supporting your goals. Yet, no, maybe it's not as perfectly like healthy as eating an Mm omelette, but it's still better than where you're at now. Yeah, and I think that's, you have to just, and I, I can get guilty of this because perfectionist mindset of, well, if it's not 100%, then what's the point? Instead of being like, what's the middle step? And then over time, you'd be like, okay, so instead of having the, the you know, the latte and, what did you say? A pastry. And a pastry. Maybe a pan of chocolate. <laughs> Who knows? Almond croissant. <laughs> Making me hungry. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, a banana and a protein shake could be like a good way of getting 30 grams of protein, a bit, bit of fruit, but, you know, a few uh, vitamins and minerals. And it's like, okay, that's a better option. I mean, it's like, okay, over time, you might be able to see, is, is there another option that you could take a step on? But again, it's just always looking at like, what's the, the next step that you can take? Yeah. And meeting yourself wherever you're at is really key because protein doesn't need to be demonized as in supplements don't need to be demonized. But if you just constantly reassess and say, hey, now I've got the hang of like cooking protein rich meals. Could I boost it somewhere? Could I add more protein rich size like quinoa and like what vegetables I choose has an impact? What sprinkles I put on my breakfast has an impact. Um, But when you're first starting out, trying to consider all of that as well is just like... Yeah. Like your brain cannot deal with everything at once. You don't need to either. No, you don't need to. I think there's as simple as can I get a 30 to 50 gram serving of protein in each main meal that I have? I'm probably the one that's neglected the most is breakfast. Yeah. So, you know, if you if you could just look at that, pick protein first with your meals, do a little bit of planning and just give that a go for like try it for two weeks. See how different you feel. It will be significant. Yeah, I love that. And just start with something simple. Yeah. Cool. So the next hack we've got is track your menstrual cycle, which people also get funny about you talking about this because you're a bloke. People do get funny about me talking about this. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a weird concept, you, you know, for, for it's a, not a weird concept. It's weird that I get like attacked for it or mansplaining or however people want to say it, especially if we ever do promotions on other people's pages and they don't follow us. We have a we have a nice following over <laughs> on Instagram <laughs> uh, most of the time. But yeah, it's it's just a tool again. And that's how I just kind of look at it ob- objectively, like men's hormones. And again, like don't hate us or me <laughs> specifically are often a lot more um, consistent throughout the month versus women's do change. And that can affect your mood, your appetite, your energy levels. Um, and there are ways to get more in tune with your physiology um, and your psychology to, to feel better throughout the month. So it's, it's a great tool for your physical and mental health. And it, again, just, just like tracking food can raise your awareness to be like, oh, like the amount of women that have said to me, like, I literally feel like I'm going crazy and I have my period. And I'm like, ah, that makes sense. And I'm just like, but you know, that's going to happen every month. And if you track it, you could, you can actually maybe understand yourself more in that time. And like, maybe even just like let your partner know <laughs> uh, and maybe do other things that can just make you feel better. And that's that's all I'm for when I say tracking menstrual cycle. I'm like, hey, it's a great tool to get you to know yourself more, which is all we talk about is becoming more self-aware. Yeah. And it's not just about whether you become a crazy emotional <laughs> wreck at all, yeah. um, because there are also peaks and troughs in terms of energy, strength, Definitely. Um, like how susceptible you are to injury in the gym. Mm-hmm how your cravings are going, like pre-period cravings are not an imagined thing. It's yeah. a legit thing. Um, and the other thing I, I reckon most people out there don't realize, your BMR does actually increase. Yeah. 
the couple of days before your period. So if you're getting cravings and you know that and you know where you are in your cycle, you don't have to beat yourself up if you're a bit more hungry because your body's genuinely burning more. So it not only allows you to feel more prepared and in control, but also give yourself a bit of slack and not beat yourself up all the time. Sorry to interrupt, just a quick ask. If you are enjoying today's episode, then please do give us a follow just to make sure you get every episode and we can keep cutting the BS and helping you hit your goals. Yeah, I I used to have it consistently with clients at certain parts of, because everyone's cycle can be different. It's not just for 28 days, It it can vary either side. Um, and yeah, those uh, mood, appetite, energy levels <laughs> are on a spectrum, like so many things. So it can wildly be different. I, I've spoken to women, it's like, yeah, my cycle's fine, doesn't bother me that much. I speak to other people, it's like wildly the other way. Um, you do typically do fine though, if you do have any symptoms with your menstrual cycle that feel more extreme, whether it's uh, cramps or low energy or appetite, when you do actually get healthier, those symptoms do tend to get a lot uh, better which mm-hmm. is obviously a huge part of like prioritizing your health um but yeah just I, I just had so many clients that their appetite would go up and i'd be like hey let's just bump your calories up by a couple of hundred for, for the next couple of days um and i'd like what are you really craving toast I was like, have some toast and then it's just like what do you mean okay i had some t- two pieces of toast and i feel great great <laughs> crack on you know what i mean it's, and it's it's sometimes it's just getting that permission as well and a little bit of feedback to do that but again like knowing that that's going to come next month and be like okay now, if I feel hungry because of my physiology and I've gave myself permission to eat a little bit more, I now feel better that week. Win. Let's keep doing that. You know what I mean? It's uh, so. And it's yeah. also like knowing that you can have a couple of pieces of toast and it's not going to do any damage. Not that it would do any damage. It's just a turn of phrase. Yeah. But knowing that you can do that and it all balances out is a very different mindset to having cravings, not really understanding it and going, well, sod it I'm on my period so I'm gonna eat a whole bag of chocolate mm-hmm. and then that actually does store your progress so knowing like where those physiological changes are happening and what the extent of them actually are puts you in the driving seat to to appease what you are craving but also still feel like no I'm moving towards my goals still I'm not going to throw everything out the window just because it's my period yeah I, again it's it's I think tracking your menstrual cycle is, is just a self-awareness tool and it, it gets it gets you to, you know, play detective and getting to know you and, and, and know your cycle, which will be unique to you. It will, you know, obviously there's patterns, uh, of course, um, but it will get you to know you the best that you can. And that can be great for you, your relationship, your work, productivity. So that's, again, I just try to look at it really objectively. Like it's a really helpful, great tool. Definitely. One more thing on this that I think is super helpful if you do have really painful periods or you get really fatigued or you you struggle with cravings is it allows you to zoom out and look at the month as a whole. Because if you think, you know what, I have three weeks where I'm really consistent. I show up for four workouts a week. I stick with my deficit. And then I have one week where maybe I'm like 60% there. Mm -hmm. You still have three weeks where you're nailing it. Exactly. And it allows you to, again, give yourself grace and see the balance and go, I'm still going to make progress over a month. Yeah. Even if I'm not 100% one week. Yeah. And I, yeah, I, again, self-awareness tool. And I think that's 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 great. And it, the ability to maybe just not judge yourself so harshly, because that's it. And I, I like, I, I think everyone has this, but a lot of the women that we work with do just have such an expectation of for them to just be so on point all the time. So just like even saying that to just like give yourself a little bit of grace to not judge yourself so harshly. Like, hey, this is a, a week where you, if you are trying to give 100% and your body is fighting back against you, 
you know, you're really pressing against your physiology and that can feel exhausting and draining. So if you can just give yourself a bit of grace and accept that and play into your physiology, that's that, that's a huge win for, for, mm-hmm. for yourself. I think it does open the door to starting to be more compassionate with yourself in general and like shifting that self-talk that you might have had for years that you just need to work harder. You just need to do better. Like This can be the first little step in the door because it is backed by science and it is your physiology. It's not just you giving yourself a like get off the hook. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I love that. We work really closely with women on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the next one we've got up does kind of tie into that because I would often say to clients, if you can't get your workouts done because you're just feeling like crap, just go for a walk. If it's, you know, your work, yeah. week of your period, because actually that can really help with cramps and stuff as well. But generally walking is something that we are really big proponents of. We are because it's, it's, you know, it's, in society, in the, in the Western world nowadays, everyone's moving less, and that just means your metabolism's slowing down. You're burning fewer calories, um, especially since you know COVID happened and people working from home. You know, people's step counts could be like a thousand in a day, two thousand a day versus like they might have not realized <clears throat> when they were getting up and getting on a train or going to work or doing something else or going on a lunch break. They might have just been as a default of going to the office doing seven, eight thousand steps. Now at home, they're doing one or two. So being more conscious of your steps and moving more uh, and again, putting habits and systems in place to make it a more active lifestyle um, where you just generally move more is just an an easy way of burning more calories, which means if you're trying to lose weight, you can lose weight faster or you can lose weight while eating more food or when you've actually lost the weight that you want, if you keep these habits up, it's harder for you to gain weight because you're just generally a more active person. Um, So a few tips on this is, you know, park at the back of the car park, like everywhere, I'm not as bad as this, but the staff definitely is. Like everywhere we go, we're like in the corner of the car park. <laughs> I'm like that. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, you just you just get more steps in. It just becomes a habit of like, that's where we always park and we get um, a lot of extra steps in. You know, you could get off the, the train, uh, the stop before work. Uh, we have it in the body smart office. We go for a walk uh, before our lunch, uh, you know, on, on uh, sort of lunchtime every time. Uh, sometimes we'll have walking meetings. You know, there's lots of things that you can do. So just try and make it that like hey these are just little things that we already do but now we're just doing them more active and it gets your overall step count up for the for the day in the week yeah i think it's also really important because you talked about after you've lost any weight that you're trying to lose this isn't just about calories because there are so many studies out there that show that being sedentary really not good for you um and in terms of like risk for heart disease stroke um loads of really serious health issues the more you move through the day, the better. So just upping your steps might sound like something you're going to do short term to lose weight. But actually, if you can make that fit into your daily life in a way that you could just easily continue it beyond losing weight, you are going to reap the benefits for the years to come. I I don't think I've ever gone for a walk and regretted it. That's nice. It's nice. It's it's great to get out, get some uh, some fresh air. Uh, if you're getting out in the morning, it's good to get some morning sunlight in your eyes. It helps with your circadian rhythm. Um, <clears throat> it's 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 really good. It's a really good habit to instill. But it's it could. T- I used to be when I worked in a personal as a personal trainer many many years ago. You know, I was doing 20, 25,000 steps a day, and um, you know, lifting excess weights and doing exercises as demos for people. I'd never done an intentional walk in the middle of the day or the middle of the week, so it was very foreign for me to start that as a habit. Um, but it needed to be because I was literally doing. A thousand, two thousand steps a day because I just would just work all day. <laughs> um, so again, it's it feels like this friction in the beginning, but then over time, it, like we said, it can become a habit and something that makes you feel good. And can you just share what your current kind of average is? Because ten k is not a magic number, right? 
10K is not a magic number. I think my Apple uh, health says 6,800. Uh, I don't carry my phone with me everywhere I go, so it's maybe closer to eight. Um, I'd like to do a bit more, to be honest. I, I don't always habitually go for a walk every day, which I would like to. Um, so yeah, there's some days on there where I do like a 14, 15 hour work day and it's, it is like a thousand steps. And I'm never happy that, that that's been the case, but I'm sure other people can relate sometimes shit just happens in life and you kind of have to just make that choice but my average typically stays there and sometimes if I have like a a bad couple of days I will make a point like hey on the weekend I'm going to be more active I'm going to go for a longer walk because I've kind of chosen not to do that through the week I'd rather it be more consistent day to day but that's not always how uh, life goes definitely not (laughs) but again it's a good example of where zooming out and looking at the week is really important rather than giving yourself a hard time of like not doing enough a couple of days in a row go okay well this just means i'm going to focus more on my activity levels at the weekend and balance things out a little bit yeah and you've also got to look like in certain parts of the world like a lot a lot of places around europe you do typically see like there's a higher step count um just because of the way the cities are laid out or the places are laid out like people do typically walk and move more um and if you find like that isn't the case like there's a lot of a lot of places in america you have to drive everywhere it's just looking at if there's other things that you can do to get your step count up, whether that's, you know, getting a, um, you can get somewhere like the treadmills for like $150, you know, that you can walk on while you're working and you can walk pretty comfortably and work on like, you know, three kilometers an hour or something, or maybe even a little bit more than that. Um, so there might just be other ways that you can actually get yourself more active if, if it's actually quite difficult or there's a lot of friction, as we were speaking about earlier, to get a walk in or to move more. Yeah, and starting small, as always, is really key. So if you don't currently go for an intentional walk and you think, well, how am I just going to squeeze in an hour of walking into my day? Well, maybe it's like 10 minutes when you first get up, 10 minutes when you get back from work to just like let go of the day, 10 minutes after dinner. There you go, you've got half an hour, whereas maybe you're doing nothing before. Um, so that can be a nice way to kind of dip your toe in the water and you can build on that over time. Mm-hmm. And I think a big one we haven't touched on for this is <clears throat> that moving more and getting your steps up can burn a ridiculous amount of calories. So you do three workouts in a week, let's say average person burns like 300 to 400 calories. That's 900 to 1200 calories. Most people if they're doing about around eight to 10 K steps could be burning three to 500 calories a day from just walking more. So you times that by the week, you're burning a hell of a lot more calories of just getting a higher step count um, than you are from your workouts. And I'm not trying to dissuade anyone from working out. I'm a huge advocate of that. But if you want to, you know, really ramp up your metabolism and burn more calories, you know, having a high step goal and sticking to it is, is a great, easy, low friction way to do it. Okay, so that is our one of our top tips. Yes. Walking is the, the most underrated exercise. For sure. But closely followed by resistance training. Definitely resistant training. Yeah, so resistant training when you're on a fat loss journey. And I say fat loss, not just weight loss. Nobody really wants to lose muscle when they're losing weight. You're trying to maximize the amount of fat that you lose. You will lose some muscle when you lose weight. But the goal is to try and keep as much as you can or even build some muscle throughout a calorie deficit or an energy deficit. So doing full body resistant training at least twice a week and applying a level of progressive overload, which is progressively lifting more volume is basically what it comes down to and you can do that by I'm trying not to keep it as layman's terms as possible you can do that by lifting more weight which is the obvious one you can increase the range of motion you could do more sets more reps or increase the time under tension so how long a rep takes so you know like a typical rep might be like one second down one second up 
and you could change that you could do three seconds down one second up and that would increase the, the time under tension so there are all ways that you can progressively add more volume so if you're struggling if you're <clears> listening <throat> and you're like well, what is he talking about right. um if, <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> if you've yeah. um, ever been to like a weights class like a body pump class mm-hmm. like a les mills one there's obviously loads of other versions out there you probably use the same weight every week you get to know the routine and you first do it and you can't sit on the toilet because you use 10 kilos for the squat song and then the next week you're like well I'm not going to use 12 kilos because I couldn't sit on the toilet so you use 10 kilos again and then it gets easier and easier but you're like well yeah now it's actually enjoyable so I'm going to keep using 10 kilos then before you know it they change the song so you don't actually progress during that yeah workout so what we're saying instead is each time you go to the gym you want to be doing a little bit more whether that's increase the weight and all the things that you said yeah but Going through the motions and just doing the same exercises the same number of times with the same weight is still better than nothing. Of course. But you're not going to get the same benefits to your metabolism and to building lean muscle mass and to your fat loss as if you were to progressively overload. Yeah. And another one I missed out there was like range of motion. So a lot of people could go to a class, but they might not be squatting to depth or they might not be doing a lunge correctly or certain exercises and if you actually learn the skills around how to perform some of those exercises with a full range of motion and then get like that's an easy way of like getting more out of the class so you go and do a 60 minute class but if you've got one person that is doing a full range of motion and another person that's doing 60 percent, they're getting like literally 40 percent more out of every rep that they do so there's a lot that you can do to just um apply progressive overload in different ways and again and just taking it back to be really objective, it's just skills. It's just learning how to train and move properly. Uh, but doing doing resistance training, doing strength training uh, while losing weight, it's it's going to maximize fat loss, not just weight loss. Um, and it's also going to keep you going to burn more calories throughout your journey as well. So it's 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 something that everyone wants to do in general for your overall health. Uh, especially as you start to get over 30, you can start to lose muscle as you get over 3% f- a year. Yeah. Which if you don't resistance train, which adds up, you'll lose your shape. Your metabolism will slow down. Um, when you go into your forties, you've got menopause that can kick in. Osteoporosis can kick in for both men and women. So you want to build as much muscle as you can, and then just do everything you can to keep onto it, keep hold of it as you age. Um, and the earlier and the younger you do that, the better. There's plenty of women in the seventies and eighties though, who have built a shitload of muscle. So I don't want to put anyone off who's a bit older um but yeah making that a habit and it can be as simple as um two 30 minute workouts a week two 30 minute full body workouts i think that's really important that you shared that because often when people hear that we want you well we want you to do resistance training like gym workouts they're thinking like an hour four times a week upper body lower body yeah no there, there might be some time in the beginning so again taking it back skills might take some time to learn say six exercises which you can train your whole body in but you could probably learn this in 30 days, 45 days if you've done it a bit repetitively. So it might take more time for that initial period to learn those skills. And you could do two 30-minute two full-body workouts and start to apply a little bit of progressive overload and train your whole body under tension. Which is really efficient use of time. And not only are you building muscle, it is you mentioned osteoporosis. You need to put your bones under stress like yeah. good stress as well to keep them strong. So you're helping with that. It's really good for mental health as well in terms of like brain function as you get older, Alzheimer's risk. So we are obviously talking specifically today about weight loss, but these are again reasons that help you keep the weight off because you're doing it for other things. Yeah. You're doing it for your longevity, like not wanting to be that person who falls when they're 70 and then just just never gets out of the cycle of, 
having limited mobility and gaining their fitness back. So it's thinking in the longer term as well. Yeah, and it, it gives you another gives you a different why to keep taking action because like like we've said many times the goal is to lose weight and keep it off so you have to have these whys of like well why do i want to take some of these actions yes i want to lose weight and look better and feel better and be healthier but also you know like zooming out a little bit more but how do i want to feel in one year three years five years 10 years 30 years 40 years 50 years um you know there's a uh si, i'll know the guy's name what's the the longevity guy peter Peter Atia, he talks a lot about he wishes he could take some people to that like last decade of the life and just see like like it's too late at that point you know what I mean like at this point the habits have compounded for long enough and you'll just be in a certain position or not and it's like there's a lot of people if you have looked after your health you can be having a fantastic 60s 70s 80s even 90s, especially with the way modern medicine's going like feel great look great have energy have a spring in your step but if you don't, those last like 10 years can just be miserable. Definitely. And um, and I'm not that I want people to just be motivated by that, but it's all like that time is going to pass. That is going to happen. And not only can that, the stuff we're talking about today make you feel better today, it will compoundingly make you feel better every day moving forward. Yeah, I think a great example of this, if you look at older people, you know, there will be people, you know, that have stayed active and their quality of life is so different to the ones that haven't. Like my mother-in-law is a great example. She goes to her exercise classes like three or four times a week. She makes sure she does her steps and she's Amazing. brilliant. Yeah, yeah, she's like in her seventies, she'll get down on the floor. Like if my son's dropped something under the sofa, she'll just get down and get it. It's amazing. And we're constantly saying to her like, we're so proud of you because it's so easy to just think, oh, as I get older, I'll just do less. But the opposite is actually true. And resistance training is like the foundation of that. Yeah, you want to... You want to keep training for forever. Uh, that's how you kind of want to view it. And again, if you can de develop those skills so it feels easier and you know exactly what you're doing, it becomes easier to keep up that habit. So the earlier the earlier you develop those skills, the easier it is. I think I always get that, like, you see some kids and they just learn so many skills so early on when, like, they're, you know, below 10. And oh, like whenever we go skiing and you see, like, this little ninja kid just <laughs> going past yeah. you. So, yeah. you know, the earlier you can learn these skills, the easier it is. And obviously, if you can teach these and pass them down to your kids, the easier it is for them because they've got some of these, like, really foundational healthy habits that are just a part of, like, who they are and what they do. Uh, obviously, more friction for you if you're learning at a bit of a later age, but not impossible. And then just, again, it's seen as a habit to keep up for life because it will just enrich the quality of your life so much. Yeah, and talking of skills, our last top tip today is a really essential skill when it comes to eating. And it is the acronym BLASTED. BLASTED. Yeah, you're probably wondering what on earth we're talking about. Well, what used to be the HALT method, which was, are you... Hungry? Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Yeah, so it's all about emotional eating. <laughs> yes. Which I know many of us, like that's the thing that stops me sometimes when I've got mm -hmm. a goal. Yeah. And now I've learned these skills, it's easier. But many, many people would say that's been like a big obstacle. Yeah, there's, there's very little... There's very little physiological hunger that happens nowadays. Uh, for a lot of people, it is more psychological hunger. And this is where you kind of want to um, understand what the difference is. So using an acronym like BLASTED can help you in that time. So it's are you bored? Are you lonely? Are you anxious? Are you stressed? Are you tired? Are you emotional? Or are you distracted? Or looking for distraction. Or looking for distraction. And, and you can ask them, so like, you know, am I actually hungry? Or am I just 
a bit bored in the middle of the day and I'm just looking for a snack because that'll like give me a break from work or whatever else. So, you know, you can start to ask, ask some of these questions. Am I, you know, really wanting a pizza on a Wednesday night or am I just feeling really lonely because of whatever situation? There's lots of questions that you can ask, but it can start to help you become problem aware of like, why you're maybe turning to food um and by the way if it's none of them it could just be like oh yeah you are physiologically hungry and go for it you know go and eat but again it's to raise that awareness of like is emotional eating um causing you to you know eat more calories than you basically need yeah i think also changing the terminology from emotional eating to psychological eating takes a lot of the shame out of it Mm -hmm. because emotional eating feels like something you you're sat in the dark with the curtains shut eating a whole tub of ice cream yeah Yeah, and that isn't (laughs) actually the whole umbrella of terms not at all yeah so the way you just described it is so much more empowering because you can then realize like hey maybe it is because i'm bored all right well i'm gonna go and ring my best mate and have a chat yeah. rather than pick at these biscuits just because they're here. Yeah, and, and you can look at it like, say you keep getting to a point where you're like, I'm lonely and I'm eating because it, it comforts me. It feels better at that point. But then you can be like, right, I've felt lonely seven times in the past two weeks and I keep eating food and that's not aligned with my goals and I also don't want to feel lonely. So I need to now look at that as a problem more objectively and be like, right, okay, what can I do to, to overcome that instead of turning to food? And this is the way where actually you start on a weight loss journey, but you change your whole life because instead of the root problems still being there and you learning to just not eat the things, you change your life so you're happier, you're less lonely, you're more active. You're doing all these things that create a different person. Yeah, which is, it's it's weird because we... Uh, say that we're weight loss coaches but like the consistent theme we get from clients and graduates is you know weight loss was a positive side effect of the person I actually became because everything that we're talking about is having a growth mindset looking for opportunities embracing challenges if things aren't going to plan for a certain amount of time being like okay something needs to change and it's everything that we're talking about is being able to look at things a, a different way um, and look at them for opportunities and lessons and if you keep doing that you can like literally apply that same mindset to so many other aspects of your life in, in so many ways if it's your career your family your relationships whatever it is you can you can have a, such a different mindset to go at it with and it's it's very like liberating like it opens so many doors for for so many of our clients where a year later they're in a new relationship they're in a new job they've had a promotion and it's like wow like it it, it really does like like bleed into so many other areas of your life in such a positive way super empowering yeah so just to recap our top 10 life hacks for losing weight and keeping it off we've got energy balance being the underlying principle don't rely on motivation because that's bs use the 80 20 balance eat 30 to 50 grams of protein with every meal especially breakfast Walking is the most underrated form of exercise and cut the BS with your tracking of your food. Got to cut the BS, yeah. Track your menstrual cycle, start resistance training and tap into your psychological hunger. Yes, and if you're doing all 10 of those things, you will you will just significantly stack the odds in your favor for this to become easier and to be more successful with it and really to just develop some skills so it does become easier over time. So yes, it's it does take a little bit of time. It does take a little bit of energy. But it's a it's a much more of a compound and vehicle than many other strategies out there. So this is when we talk about do a meal plan, do Herbalife, do whatever whatever it is. It's often just like very like, do this, get that. And that seems very appealing. Like, oh, very simple, easy decisions to make versus probably a lot of what we've spoken about today is, 
it feels like there's a lot more work to do and, and skills to yeah. develop. And there is, like, we're not going to bullshit you about that, but it compounds. Like, what we see with the low-carb, Herbalife meal plans is that people go on them, they see success, they come off them, the results come back, and you're just in this yo-yo and cycle forever. So you don't ever truly get what you want, and it's it's like psychological torment in a lot of ways. It's physiologically horrendous for your body. Uh, versus like what we're talking about, it's just st- start small, small and often, stay consistent, and everything that you do in terms of developing skills, developing habits, developing systems, compounds over time to make it easier. Yeah, and it is work, but all the best things in life require working for. Of course. So if it does feel a bit overwhelming and you're not already on our email list, then definitely sign up for the email list. I'll put the link in the show notes. And obviously you're in the right place because you're already listening to the podcast. So we break down a lot more of the how on these hacks as well through every episode. And obviously, if you are interested in our one-to-one coaching, this is exactly what we do. Not only are we going to walk you through the 10 things we've gone through today, but we're going to hold you to a high level of accountability and and help you get to the results you want in the the, the fewest steps or the least steps possible. So that's what we do. That's our bread and butter. Uh, if you are interested, there'll be links somewhere on this episode or on our website. Amazing. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. You've been listening to the Body Smart Podcast. If you haven't already, we would really appreciate a five-star review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps us spread the Body Smart word and get even better guests and even better content for you on the coming episodes.